you guys don't know, Yanni's my brother, and it's crazy how almost five years ago we got saved, and now here we are having the opportunity to minister. So let's give Yanni a warm warm of applause as he comes up here. Truly undeserved, but uh, I truly do thank you guys for that. Um, let's open our Bibles to James 1, 2 through 8. I uh, first want to take uh, this first opportunity to say thank you to personally every single one of you guys. Uh, personally, every single one of you guys have made an impact in my life and the investment that every one of you guys have done and, you know, uh, giving me words of encouragement and all that you've done. It really is a blessing and I truly do thank you. I want to thank my wife for standing behind me in all that I do. I actually was able to uh, minister this to her and she spoke to me very kindly on uh, I felt bad because I had to do it twice and she was very gracious and then I also want to lastly thank my pastor for this opportunity now this scripture I I wrote this sermon a while ago um, I had to revise it according to but um I really felt as though is that God really did put this uh, this word on my heart and, and about the specific word of doubt because doubt is uh, truly going to be something that we all go through. Um, there was an illustration Michael Poloni points out that we cannot doubt something without simultaneously trusting in something else. Eve began to doubt God, more importantly, her relationship with God. And at the same moment, she began to trust the serpent. Let's read our scripture, James 1, 2 through 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And the New Living Translation's patience is um, replaced with endurance. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks something, let him ask of God, who gives all liberally and without reproach. Reproach, if you don't understand what reproach means, it's without disapproval. And it will be given to him, as the scripture says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the winds. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I'm going to pray. Let's uh, let's pray. Father God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this night. God, that you would go beyond the words that is on this screen. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us. And God, that you would help us leave this place in courage. And all God's people said, hallelujah. Remember, uh, Johnson, he's like, amen. This is the amen. So every time, you know, it's going to be a lot of water tonight. Let's firstly think about the destruction of doubt. Our scripture says, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave that is blown and tossed by the wind. How many of us know in here that we are going to go through times in our lives where we do waver? 
To waver is to become unsteady, unreliable, or undecided between two opinions or a course of action. There are things that are going to be in our lives that absolutely trigger the doubt in us. Right? It can be sickness uh, from cancer to family sickness. It can be a loss of a loved one. It can be the circumstance of life. A flat tire. Oh my gosh. No one likes a flat tire, right? But also can be the enemy. The strategy of all these things are to create chaos and confusions in our lives and in our minds. Which then, and that's where the doubt starts to take place. The strategy of the enemy is to truly strip you from fulfilling God's will for your life. He wants to steal your fruitfulness. He wants to steal all the blessing that he has blessed you with. He ultimately wants to steal your joy, your happiness, your peace. Right, But he also, most importantly, he wants to steal your effectiveness. The devil will use our own thoughts in the area of doubt. We, most of us, are familiar with the story of Peter walking on water. You know, the disciples are in the boat. They see a man figure in the distance walking on water. And their first instant is like, it's a ghost, <laughs> right? It's like, and then God is like, you know, hey, you know, it's me, guys, chill out, you know? And then Peter, Peter was like, okay, this is obviously my translation, sorry. I read it a little bit different. But, so, you know, Peter's like, okay, if it's you, tell me to walk on this water. And, uh, you know, Peter began to walk on the water, right? But as Peter began to walk on the water, what we, we what is not specifically in the scripture, right? But it says that you think about it. You got the wind smacking his face. You got the coldness of the water smacking, you know, and he's in this and he's focusing on all what's around him, which is keeping his eyes away from God. Matthew, uh, and you know, he, he began to drown as the scripture says, uh, Matthew fourteen thirty one, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you... Of little faith, why do you doubt? Even when we know that God is in control, we still have doubt. God is standing right before Peter, and yet he still had doubt. It, it could be, you know, we, we, I'm a person that always, I like to ask questions, and, you know, they're not totally evil, but, you know, it can be the why am I not getting the breakthrough in my life? Why can I not seem to get ahead on my finances or debt-free? Where's my healing? Where's the fruit and the people that are supposed to be in this place, right, that are not? Right? Where's the breakthrough in my ministry or my marriage? Right? Our text says, For let not a man suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord, for he is a double-minded man. Excuse me. How many of us uh, people in here, when you, you know, you go to go outreach or, you know, even on your own personal time, when you go to witness to people, uh, you feel as though as God's like, yo, talk to that person or, or deal with this person. And uh, the devil's like, yeah, he doesn't look like he wants to be saved or, or you're, you're, you're laying your hands on someone to get healed. And then as you're laying your hands on them, it's like, yeah, you think they're going to get healed? Yeah, okay, right? See, these are the lies, the strategy of the enemy that is going to try to uh, rob you and steal you from God's joy. Uh, 
Right? That is the ultimate plan of the devil. He wants to create that chaos in your mind, to clutter your mind with all the chaos of life and to keep your eyes off of God, which we are going to get into. So then my question is why? Why do we doubt even when God's word is clear? In the Bible, there are many uh, examples that I've personally read of you know you know of people that have struggled with doubt and unbelief in their lives and you know and I truly you know have seen a pattern for most to all and a lot of it is linked to what their eyes are focused on in John 20 27 then he said to Thomas reach your finger here and look at my hand reach your hand here and put it into my side do not be unbelieving, but believing. So then how? How do we get past unbelief in our lives? That even if the disciples that walked with the Lord Jesus Christ were unbelieving, how will we? How will we not be unbelieving? The Bible says is that if you lack, ask verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. John sixteen twenty four. You haven't done this before, asking using my name, and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. We all finished a uh, a Bible study last last year. It was about don't get don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And it was out of Psalms 23. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, because this book really, truly did help me personally. It, it was describing in the Bible, imagine that you're sitting with God. It's just you and him. But all the chaos of life is going and happening. And the, the book described that if you take your eyes off of God to focus on all the chaos then you're going to have clutter in your, your, your thoughts. That's why the book described that you need to gain dominion over your thoughts in your mind first. So then my question is here tonight, is are your eyes on God? First Timothy 2.8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, uplifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. We need to be careful. This is... Something that we really have to be mindful about is worldly wisdom. In First Corinthians uh, three eighteen through twenty, it says, "Stop deceiving yourself, for you think that you are wise by the world's standards. You need to become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolish to God." That as the scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise and he knows they are worthless. So that's what we have to be careful of. Uh, is, is the worldly standards of, okay, this man was a wise man. But he was this, this, this and that, but he was still wise. You know, just be careful of that. Uh, who is going to help us in our jobs, uh, our, our ministry? Who's going to help us with our new converts? Our kids, if we have them, uh, who's going to help us in our schools, if you're in school, right? It absolutely is going to be God, but it can also be a trustworthy person, man or woman of God. In Exodus 18, um, Moses, 
was in the wilderness. His father-in-law, I think it was Mezpef, um, was his father-in-law. I could be incorrect. I didn't really write that down. But anyways, his father-in-law came into the wilderness, and, you know, he was celebrating with Moses about, you know, the victory of escaping uh, from, from Egypt, and they were giving sacrifices and praising God, you know. And so then the next day, Moses is up all day long taking care of everyone's problem, right? And, you know, as a minister, you know, that's, you know, that's something they have to go through. But um, in that, uh, Moses' father-in-law told him, like, dude, you got to put leaders over these people and, and put them into groups, right? So the, all that stress is not on you, right? And then so that, that's us sometimes. We truly do need to reach out to uh, one another, right? Brothers and sisters from our, our pastor to, you know, you know our, our pioneer works because they're out there. They're laboring. They know, you know, what it is to be long-term in this uh, congregation. Ultimately, yes, it absolutely will be us as sharpen or iron sharpens iron, but it ultimately needs to be God. Now, I would like to add that you cannot give God nothing to work with. Uh, I definitely saw this in the prayer room that I'm liking us like water, which is kind of, it's like water people, water people, it doesn't really, you know, but anyways, um, it was, uh, it was reading about stagnant water. It says that stagnant water is, um, is a collection of bacteria or fungi left untreated stagnant water often becomes home for dangerous diseases. And that could be us. If we are not moving in our salvation, we can be stuck and we can literally, as it says, we can be dangerous and have diseases, right? But to be, uh, I want to reference us, like we need to be like a river that flows. A river, it, it is a source of water. It's a source of food, not just for, you know, us humans, but, you know, for, for animals. Back in the day, where did people settle? Right next to a river, something that was dependable. And I really truly feel is that needs to be us. In the Bible, there is a parable. Um, I'm definitely going to... Um, translate this in my translation to make it a little bit shorter but um there was a master that gave three bags of silver we're all kind of familiar with one got ten one got five one got one the one that got ten uh ten and five they invested and made a profit right the the master ended up coming to them and he said well done my good and faithful servant now the one that had the one he said listen i knew you were cruel dude. So I took my money, I hid it away, and then when you came back, I gave you what you gave me. It's pretty simple. But um, the the master ended up saying, you wicked and lazy servant, Luke. And this was out of Luke um, 19.26. It says, yes, the, Lord, uh, the king replied, to those who use well, what they are given, even more will be given. But for those who do nothing, even little, they will be taken away. So then what are you doing with the blessing that God has gifted you with? And this is not just, you know, yes, we've, we have, uh, we're blessed with the homes and the things and the materials that God has absolutely blessed us with. But in the sense of your ability to minister through music and your ability to, uh, you know, uh, to minister through like the, the phenomenal, uh, 
creativity people can use with their music ability and using that as a drive to win people for Jesus Christ. What are you doing with that? Teenagers specifically, what are you doing with the love and the stability and the strength that God has placed in your life? Because I want to tell you guys, if, if there's teens in your school that think they have near to the amount of blessing that you guys have, it's incorrect. Because they have the nice shoes and the nice car at 16 doesn't mean anything. You guys have the most precious thing, right? What are we doing with those things? Are we reading God's word? Are we letting it transform our lives? Jeremiah eighteen six. O Israel... Can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? That as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in mine. That as we obey God's word, right, the fruit of that will be patience. Or like it says in the New King James Version or the New Living Translation, it will be endurance. Now let's think lastly. Of faith produces patience. Back in the text, in our text, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Everything, I truly believe that everything that we go through in our lives is to prepare us for what is to come in the future. Alright, so then, so then the real question needs to be is what is my posture? How am I, uh, uh, I'll get in a little bit more, but how am I standing strong? How does people outside of this church or out in this world look at you? What do they say about, right? I, I say it like this. What do people that are not saved say about me? Right? Are they, are they seeing the proper uh, posture of my life. Um, in James 5, 7 through 8, it says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for its precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your heart, coming of the... Uh, Excuse me. Establish a heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Right? This is talking about prayer in James five seventeen through 18. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heavens gave rain in the earth produced its fruit. Elijah is praying. That's that's what he's doing. He's getting a hold of God. Second Peter one eight says the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is three scripture of proper function. Right? The proper uh, the proper posture, not function, excuse me. Are we praying and reading our Bibles? Are we asking God, like, like God, I need you, right? Our, like, scripture is filled uh, 
with the posture that we need to have. Uh, A posture is a particular way of dealing with or considering something. Excuse me. Considering something. It's an approach or an attitude. Right? We need to have the proper approach to everything in life. And I understand, you know, we're human. We're going to make some, um, you know, silly mistakes at time to time. But ultimately, your heart needs to be focused on God and His plans. Right? If we can get past the doubt that is in our, that we, you know, in our minds and that we see in prayer, asking God, reading his word, coming to church, hearing from God, then we can truly let patience take its perfect work in our lives. You see, we tend to want everything to make sense now. We tend to want things to uh, uh, to happen now. I want my burger faster than McDonald's can give me my burger. That's That's our nature. But our text literally says that it will take time. And I'm speaking about patience. As a new convert, I really did. I I really, I had to pray for patience. I was a very impatient, uh, especially in the arena of uh, getting deliverance for my mind and my thoughts in control, truly. And I really did. I had to pray and pray and pray for, for patience. And I still do. But then I got married and I have to pray more and more for patience, if you know what I mean. No, <laughs> but <laughs> I did ask her if I can say that. So yeah. we good. <laughs> I was like, hey, babe, you think I can um use this? And then she's like, I don't care. Sorry. Anyways, um, there's an illustration of a man who was walking through a supermarket. Uh, with a screaming baby, and, and the baby was screaming in the shopping cart. And a woman nearby noticed that the man again and again said calmly, Keep calm, Albert. Keep calm. Finally, in admiration uh, with the man's patient, a woman walked up to the man and said, Sir, I commend you for the patience that you have with baby Albert. And to which the man replied, and he said, Madam, I am Albert. Right? <laughs> So I thought that was pretty funny, especially because we have some screaming babies around, right? But that, that is, that has to be us sometimes, truly. It, it, it may not be any of you, but I know personally, I have to tell myself to calm down. You know, some, sometimes I'm like working, you know, with either Chuck or Nelson. I'm like, calm down. If you... 4.30 comes around real quick, <laughs> right? But uh, in, in the areas of doubt, it really, uh, it really comes down to, I've personally have gone through some very hard times in, in my mind and doubt, you know, it was, it was doubting the word of God. No, healing is not going to ever come. Deliverance will not ever come. Your converts will never stick. You know, in, 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 in all the chaos that the devil can put in my mind. Right? But the one prayer that I consistently pray is, God, keep my eyes on you. Because if my eyes are on God, my eyes are on his word. If my eyes are on God, He, you know that I'm praying to God, asking him, 
I need help. If my eyes are on God, we are going beyond the many walls that we are in, right? And going and telling people about the transforming life uh, that we've personally gone through. I will tell you a quick testimony. Uh, uh, this Saturday, I was talking to this guy, and I was telling him the Word of God, what the Word of God said. He was a Roman Catholic, and it got to a point where he was being a little bit argumentative, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, listen, the word of God changed my life. And then I got to be able to tell my testimony. And at the end of my testimony, you know, I I truly saw tears falling from this guy's face. Right? You cannot deny the testimony that every single one of you guys have is to reach and tell someone beyond this church. Right? From from church kid that never left to backslider to to you know a, a long term saint to you know you you were not a church kid. Right? Every single person in here, your life is not just for you. Your life is to go and tell other people. And I promise, I really do promise, because in my time where I wanted to leave my relationship with God, God told me to focus on winning people for me and I will take care of anything else. And I really held on to that and I still do till this day. So let's walk in the confidence of who God is. And God is going to get us past our doubt in our minds. And he truly is going to help us. And we are going to see every single one of these chairs filled with powerful conversions. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You see, if you allow doubt to rule your mind, it will distract you from all other things in your life. Now, I didn't necessarily preach on Jesus Christ and what he has done in our lives. And I understand the crowd that um, I am ministering to, but I always like to give an opportunity. That if you are not right with God, if you are not walking with God, to give an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says... That Jesus died for our sins because he loved us. It wasn't just a a Friday night thing that he wanted to go out and do. He did it for you. That you can be saved. And if there's anybody in here, you can honestly say, I am not right with God. I do not know God. Maybe you walked with God at one point in your life, but you have uh, fallen away from Christ. All I want to do is ask you to say a prayer of salvation. And by signifying that you are not right with God, I want you to raise your hand to heaven. Saying, no, I am, I am, I am a sinner. Hallelujah. I truly believe that this was a message that, that God wanted me uh, to bring forth. Uh, a, a wise man once said is... Uh, it's not it's not like this huge revelation of 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 what my words have was just spoken but it's a reminder that let's not allow doubt to rule our mind and our thoughts and all the chaos that we may go through in our life let's focus our eyes on Jesus and I can promise you That he'll produce patience in us. He'll begin to transform our hearts. 
And he'll be able to do things in, in, in our own lives that we say, God, I thank you that I stuck through and I just served you through the chaos. I want to give time, uh, if this message has spoken to you, give time for the altar. If you want uh, to, everyone stand and let's pray and sing that song, Love Unfailing. Love unfailing, overtaking my heart, you take me in, finding peace again, fear is lost in all you are, and I would give I won't hide it, I won't hide it, and Jesus, I believe in you, and I would go to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, for you alone are the Son of God, and all the world will see that you are God. myself for good within your promise and I won't hide it I won't hide it and Jesus I believe in you and I would go to the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth for you alone are the son of God and all the world will see that you are God, you are God. Jesus, I believe in you, and I would go to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. For you alone are the Son of God, Let's stand and, and worship all the God world together will this see that you are God, you are God. Jesus, I believe in you, and I will go to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. For you alone are the Son of God. 
Let's give God praise this night.